the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, let me give you the phone number right off the top here. Anything on your mind, 602 If you missed my monologue in the first hour, there's a lot I packed into it. You can always get it at 960thepatriot.com. And we'll have Brandon Weikert with us in the third hour uh, on a bunch of stuff. He's got an interesting column out, brand new column out on uh, Hollywood and patriotism, or at least movies and patriotism, uh, an ongoing concern uh, that I've started speaking about more and more lately uh, to regular listeners, you'll know this, is the concerns about China and not just what they're doing, but what they're doing to us and not just what they're doing to us, but how we are slowly accepting a lot of their philosophy, a lot of their uh, cultural as well as uh, political philosophy. I was um, I was just reading a piece during the break uh, about this zero COVID policy in China and all the protests and all these examples uh, in America of people who, while not wanting to brutalize protests, are certainly not allowing people to protest COVID mitigation policies. That was that was de rigueur uh, in throughout 2020 and during the shutdowns. But how many people here are saying or were saying the same things? Probably there's a few dead enders out there still. Um, we're saying the same things that the China the Chinese authorities are saying, which was if everyone will comply, we can get this to zero. An impossibility. Uh, people here, smart people, actually believe that nonsense. Um, we didn't uh, we didn't uh, turn hoses on and we didn't uh, we didn't crack down on the few people who did protest here. In America, the way the Chinese are cracking down on their protesters. But we did cite them. We did find them. We did uh, sometimes arrest them. Um, we didn't weld their door shuts, but we certainly shamed them. Uh, it's, it's, it's a small step, really a small step between what uh, some of those um, tyrants in China actually do and those here in America who wish we could, uh, wish we did. Let us never forget uh, the elite, the cultural and, you know, brainiac elite, supposedly brainiac elite like the Thomas Friedmans, who every few years write a column about how we should be more like China. It's getting to the point where they don't need to write that anymore. Anyway, Brandon has a piece in um, in Law and Liberty about uh, the Chinese and, and their influence with movie making, um, not only uh, how many of them finance movies in America, but when they finance them, control some of the content, veto some of the content, put in some of the pro-Chinese content into our movies. But then there's this, you know, kind of this third third level problem or third problem might be first level, which is um, we are facing up and against a country, um, a nation, a culture that believes in itself in China with one here um, that doesn't. Uh, you know, the, the downgraded and um, pale 
palliated uh, view of patriotism in this country is so down, down market today, uh, you wonder, you, you just wonder what it takes for us to, to survive. I mean, the Chinese believe in their Maoist Marxist point of view. Americans, some, maybe 50-50, but an increasing number are taught not to and believe not to believe in America. Uh, as much as uh, we once did. We're up against a country and a culture that believes in itself with a country and a culture that doesn't. It's, I guess, what I'm trying to say. And as Montesquieu put it, the deterioration of every country begins with the decay of the principle upon which it was founded. This is why I think some of the most important elections this past, uh, this past uh, November were uh, the school board elections, because that's where it all starts. That's where the curricula are uh, decided. And uh, if you have a little extra time and you think you might want to do something to help, we'll have more school board elections coming up. Get involved. Uh, it's important. Um, this country is important. And I want us to think of its importance the same way other countries think of their import. Um, there is not much self-doubt in a place like China. We are suffused with it, suffused with it. That's one thing that's been on my mind. Anyway, we'll talk to Brandon a little bit about that in the uh, in the next hour. Uh, other thing that's been on my mind, I was talking with um, with uh, Bill Bennett this morning, and uh, as he was getting ready to do a hit on Fox Business about these uh, these new um, these new ads that are that are being uh, released in throughout San Francisco. Um, uh, with the signature and the underwriting of the San Francisco Department of Public Health, um, telling fentanyl users, telling heroin users to use safely, to use the drugs with friends, start slowly. Not to stop, not the message we give with cigarettes, um, not the message that says we will kill you. Um, this will kill you. Sorry, not we. This <laughs> will kill you. But, you know, just take it easy as you do it and make sure you do it with friends. The insanity of this. Uh, for perspective, I'll just say it again um, for those that don't already realize this. Um, fentanyl is the number one killer of young adults in this country. It's not anything else. It's not auto accidents. It's not heart. It's not COVID. Let me give you a thought to wrap your head around. Let me give you a thought to wrap your head around. Ready for it? Here it is. Three times more people under the age of 40. Three times more people under the age of 40 died from a fentanyl poisoning last year than all people under 40 throughout three years of COVID. Got it? Three years of COVID didn't do to the under 40 crowd what fentanyl did in one year, one year, last year, and it's supposed to be worse this year. We don't have data yet. Wrap your head around that and ask yourself how much messaging to young people you've seen on COVID versus how much messaging you've seen to young people on dangerous and illegal drugs. You think we're misprioritized? You think we're disoriented? You bet we are. You think we're misprioritized and disoriented when we're telling people in major cities like New York, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco not to quit using heroin and other opioids, but to use in small doses with friends 
and encouraging it? You think we're not disoriented and deprioritized when we're harder on cigarettes and jewel than we are on heroin? You bet we are. You bet we are. I sometimes scratch my head wondering the Bob Dole question, where's the outrage? But I think what we need is political leaders who are willing to step up and take this um, unhealthy industry on, this unhealthy industry of the public health industry. Again, I will remind, these posters and billboards in San Francisco, sponsored and signed off on by the San Francisco Department of Public Health. I don't know what more to say. Steve's in Tempe. Hello, Steve. Hi, Seth. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we did have somebody that was willing to fight back against the fentanyl uh, issue. And I, I hate to say it, but it I, I mean, that's a that's an alarming statistic that you just read. And I had no idea that it was that. No one does. Yeah, I, we I, know I, how to I message know. when we want to. We certainly knew how to message COVID, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. No question. But, you know, we uh, President Trump fought back against this. He, fought, he he recognized the importance of having a secure border, and that's gone by the wayside now. And it doesn't. And it seems like a lot of people just you know are willing to just let that go. And the fentanyl situation is going to increase, as as you and I both know. And it's unfortunately for. And, you know, the other thing, too, Seth, that I wanted to talk to you about is a couple of weeks ago you had people calling in about President Trump as to would you support him this next time around. Right, right, and right, I was, right. I, right. I was, and I'll tell you, I was somewhat surprised, well, somewhat surprised but not overly surprised at how many people said, no, we want somebody new. And the fact is, when you look at what this man did and tried to do and and had done against him in the short time that he was in office. It's unbelievable the fact that he's even still wanting to to move forward and 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 have this position as president again. Let, let me do this, Steve. And, uh, let me take this commercial yeah. break real quick. I can't uh, help uh, uh, it. It's what we call a hard break, and then we'll come back to you on the other side if that's okay. If you don't mind holding, I'll indulge your ask you to indulge. With some patience here. We'll be right back, and we have, of course, room for more. 602 508 Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602 508 Stephen Tempe, uh, you were talking about uh, all that Trump has been, uh, Donald Trump has been under, and um, yeah, the calls that we were yeah. taking a couple weeks ago, my memory of them is uh, a slight majority of callers said they wouldn't vote for Trump um, as their first choice in the primary. But I think almost all of them said if he were, however, the nominee, they would vote for him. I that, But it doesn't matter. Either way, it was interesting. Yeah. It was an interesting shift. It was. It was. And, you know, I was listening to the comments, and, and a couple of them were – I remember one of your callers called in and he said, yeah, one of the reasons why I'm not going to vote for Trump is because of the vaccine. He's for the vaccine. Well, you and I both know that, you know, Trump basically broke down the the barriers for these companies like Pfizer and Moderna and these other companies to basically fast track what they 
what they presented as a vaccine. And I, and oh, I I'll remind people that Anthony Fauci but, throughout 2020 three times said we would not have a vaccine that year. Three times Fauci yeah, said that. He, he did. And we he certainly did, did and, get one a week after the election, funny enough. Yeah, I was, Seth, I was just going to say that. You, you read my mind. It was like, uh, isn't it interesting how Pfizer decided to hold off on saying, hey, we've got this vaccine ready to go. And it was the it, it was ready to go uh, prior to the election taking place, but they didn't want to give Trump an extra boost or be responsible for that. But that's beside the point. The fact is that you know when it comes when it came down to having having I mean the fact Trump would not have ruled out the vaccine and strong armed people getting the vaccine. Can you can you see him actually going? Having, having a, a directive to the military where, look, you either take this vaccine or you're done, you're out. And um, that's not what he's about. I honestly believe it would have been a, a choice situation with him. And I, what I, one of the important things I wanted to tell you, too, is it relates to your, your previous caller was talking about, you know, he, he had a pretty uh, hardcore uh, question that he asked you at the end of end of your your discussion with him, he said, you know, do you think this is it's the time right now to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, push back in a revolutionary uh, sense? I took it two ways. I think you're right. There was that element. But I also think he, by the time the call was over, said maybe just, you know, kind of separate somehow. Yeah. 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 Understood. But um, it, it reminded me, one of my one of my favorite quotes from Ronald Reagan, and I'm paraphrasing it, uh, somewhat, but uh, Ronald Reagan said, and, and you probably remember this, he said, some people will never see the light until they actually feel the heat. Hmm. And we're not feeling the heat right now. I mean, we're um, the groundwork is being laid for some really, really damaging uh, stuff to our economy, you know, with all the, you know, with uh, what Biden's proposing and and, you know, with the border being open, you know, wide open right now, um, most of us really haven't felt that. But if this continues on in the in the direction that it's going right now, we are going to feel the heat from this. And it's going to be interesting to see if people have the same thoughts when that happens. Uh, I should say if and when that happens, then then right now. And, and my guess is... Um, when people start paying, you know, ten, you know, seven, eight, nine dollars a, you know, for a gallon of gas, and 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 things really start getting, you know, ramping up with inflation and, and the value, you know, of what your dollar can purchase. Two years from now, isn't anywhere near what it is right now. Um, that's when the people are. I, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen then, and, and if there's going to be that pushback that you're your previous guest was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm hoping and I have high hopes um, <laughs> tempered by the notion that, you know, the Republican Party is really good at letting us down. But I am hoping that there are some 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 serious reforms taking place. I don't know if you saw this piece of news, Steve. Um, there is a fight. Uh, I mean, a, a legitimate fight. There is an election, a campaign for the chairmanship of the RNC, the Republican National Committee, 
uh, Rona McDaniel, yeah. who uh, who is the current uh, chair, is up against uh, a couple other a couple other opponents. One of them, uh, who who became news today, is the attorney out of California named Harmeet Dillon. Are you familiar with her? Yep. Yeah, really strong, heard, yeah, strong, she, strong exactly. presence. Uh, yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, take take no prisoners approach um, to uh, law and, and public policy. You know, if 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 she um, makes some sweat, or if she becomes, uh, if she prevails in this quest, you know, that'll mean something big and different uh, for our party and our movement. But you know, it is also, you know, I think worth restating um, where we are right now in Washington D.C. Uh, and throughout the country. It, it's still true uh, that we have the majority of legislatures, and it's still true that Washington is kind of. 50-50 plus Republican, if you think the Supreme Court's important, we have a supermajority there. If you think that there are three branches of power, which there are, uh, the executive, the judiciary, and the legislative, we have half the legislature and we have a supermajority in the Supreme Court. I'd rather the Supreme Court and the House of Representatives than the Senate and the presidency any day. So, you know, we will see how tough this new class or this new majority in the House is. But, you know, I'm not willing to um, throw in any towels just yet, especially when the um, when the conclusion to this is such an extreme thing with no no guarantee of who wins. I mean, I'm I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that in any sense, Steve, the majority of the country believes the same things you do. Are you? No, I I I don't. Uh, I, you know, I think you and I are on the same plane on on most things, but as it relates to, you know, I, I think, you know, the, let's I'm let's take that plane. Let's take that plane for a minute on yeah. on everything we're in agreement on, which is probably ninety percent of stuff. I'm guessing, if not more. But let's right. just take that plane. Do you think the majority of the country agrees with us on that ninety percent? I would, you know, Seth. That's a good, that's a great question. It's a because, great question. Uh, a I don't know the answer. answer. I don't think they do, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, but what I was going to say though is a couple of years ago I would have said yes. Yeah, but, I would have too. But right now, yeah, I, I don't. I would say I would say no. Yeah, I, yeah, I that's your way. Okay, so we're now at ninety-one percent. I, I kind of have that same view. Uh, Ten years ago, I would have said yes, and I've I've seen it slide year by year in 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 a, yeah. in a more depressing direction, so to speak. That's yeah, not that's no not a position with which to give up on the electoral process. No. No. I agree. <laughs> okay. All right, I, I, Steve. God bless you. I got to take another break. You're great. I'm Seth Leapson, 602 We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and today it remains a common sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need a pushy commission salesperson to tell you why you should buy gold. You probably already want it. What you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of coins and bullion so you get what you want at the best value. That's the Midas Gold Group. Veteran-owned, proud supporters of this show and this station right here on 960 AM. They're fighting for your right to the financial privacy and stability that gold offers, as well as your right to speak. Trust the dealer that I and Sebastian Gorka and thousands of you already know and trust. That's the Midas Gold Group. Visit them in person at 625 West Deer Valley Road in Phoenix, or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480 480- 
360-3000, or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. David's in Gilbert. Hello, David. Hi, Seth. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, so your last caller, what he said about um, the heat, like um, another one I think of is, um, you know, the guy got to get punched in the face before he knows he's in a fight. <laughs> um, it, it just seems like a lot of people don't realize that we're in basically a fight for our freedom. And, and, and him bringing that up is, okay, the heat comes along, but what if, <laughs> my question is, do you think the Democrats are smart enough to time the heat to land to like maybe we win 2024, but everything collapses and now we have the presidency, we have the Senate, we have all of this stuff, but it all collapses under the Republican. And do you think they're that smart? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think we need to get smart. I, I'm not sure how smart we are. <laughs> I'm more worried about our smarts at this point, David. Um, that, that, and that's. Um, conspiracy theory minds going with yeah. these people and all this, everything is going on. Yeah, it's just sure. Conspiracy theories are coming true. Sure. And sure, and it's, it's got me. I'm I'm quite worried about all of this. We and, all are. And, we are we're all very worried. Yeah. We're all extremely worried. Um, and I think that there's uh, civil ways to deal with it. I mean, you know, it's 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 interesting to me that that you know. We we may have to recognize that we have to do better in a country where we may not be the majority anymore. We just right. may not be the center right country we've convinced ourselves of for, you know, way too many years. Um, the election in Pennsylvania is the one I can't get out of my head. I just cannot get out of my head how you can take a state like Pennsylvania and put in a man who can't complete a sentence versus, you know, a very articulate physician. Now, I understand. Um, I understand that, you know, Mehmet Oz had some things against him and he was seen as a carpetbagger and all that. Still, still, you know, this is up against a man who can't complete a thought and who confuses major issues routinely. It tells me that the hatred uh, for what, Republicans were offering or what the conservative agenda is, is so strong or that the support for the conservative or Republican agenda is so weak that we really have to do some thinking on our side about the kind of candidates we're, we're running and the kind of message we want to perpetuate, uh, 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 promulgate. Do you think that George W. Bush during the Iraq thing and all the you know things that took place during that time period played a part in in the country despising Republicans? Well, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I I, I guess I haven't thought too deeply about that. It's really interesting. What I do think is that what I do think is that, you know, George W. Bush could have done more for Republicans when he left office. Now, it's true he left office very unpopular, but, you know, he became the kind of Republican, as these things tend to go, <laughs> that the media fell in love with long after he was in power. And it seemed to me that if you cared about conservatism and the party that put you in power, you might have done more for Republican candidates with that media credibility. It seems right. to me I don't have a lot of patience. Um, I don't have a lot of respect, I should say, either. 
It's a tough thing to say about an ex-president, but I don't have a lot of patience or respect for someone who's willing to use the party when it comes to their own success, but then shut the door on using that success they earned with the party to help the party out for the next guy. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. It does make sense. And it and it just, I've seen him and his behavior and, and a lot of uh, ex-presidents and things like they've done, they've really banded together, it seems, to um, just harm the... Yeah, yeah, almost as if we have become of a sudden some kind of vulgar thing they want nothing to do with. But boy, they weren't telling us that when they were running for election and wanting our money and our votes, were they, David? Yeah, so I'm going to have to think more about his tenure in the context of your question. But um, right now, my respect for him is how about helping the party that helped you so much? Thank you, brother. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you are concerned with stock market volatility, why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market. Your interest rate is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees. You can turn your monthly income on or off. Compound it, whatever you choose, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no Surprises. It's a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10 and a quarter percent. A due diligence approved firm. You can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R E F Y.com. Or give them a call at 888 YREFI34. That's 888 YREFI34. You won't get a sales pitch from them. They leave that up to me and Larry. They just like uh, talking about what they do and letting it speak for itself. Pat is in Phoenix. Hello, Pat. Oh, hello, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? I am well. Seth, I'm calling just to say I, I think uh, you're giving the average voter way too much credit. I think Pennsylvania. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I think Pennsylvania is a great example of that. You know, I just think the Republican brand is not what it needs to be. When people think Republican, they need to think about, uh, you know, the person that's out there fighting to make their lives better. We go, we're going way too far into the weeds, uh, and the Pennsylvania voter is a great example. We couldn't get away from the Republican brand. Pennsylvania thinks of Democrats as the people that are fighting for their, their well-being, and it's just not the case. Do you think it's true beyond Pennsylvania, though? I mean, I, I kind of I'm hearing I that do. last part of what you said, and I'm kind of thinking that's the general attitude about Democrats and Republicans in this country. I mean, not in <laughs> South Carolina and and play, obviously right. and not in Florida, I guess, but in a lot well, more places I, than than I used to think we, was true. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think you're 100 percent right. I, I really think. The problem is that people like you and me, we analyze the issues, we understand what's going on, and we're going to vote the way we need to vote. It's the low-information voter that really needs to be swayed, and the only way to do that is through changing um, you know, your immediate perception of what a Republican is and what a Democrat is. Right. And how do we do that? Better candidates? Uh, I, I don't even think it's a better candidate thing. I think it's a marketing thing. I, I think it's... Um, you know, it would be a nationwide campaign to change the perception of what Republicans stand for. I think you need to connect us with issues of employment, you know, issues that make your life better every day. 
You know, it's so interesting, Pat, that you say that because it seems to me that the one thing that I think was really worrisome to the Democrats going into the last month's election was the were the facts about the economy. I think they were really worried about that. And so while they didn't really talk much about it, they tried to finagle a few things here and there to make the economy look less bad than it was. But they really went into this tear that, you know, this tear that a vote for a Republican is a threat to democracy. And I don't know if if we came up flat-footed in a response to that or not. Um, one of the things that I found so deeply interesting about at least the voting patterns in Arizona is that some of these school board races, obviously very down ballot, not sexy in the sense of getting headlines and a lot of discussion. Some of these school board candidates uh, we were backing, and I presume you and I probably likely would have both supported if we lived in those school districts, um, they got 13 percent more voter turnout than the top of the ticket races like for Senate and governor, you know, talking about not only yep. education and freedom, but more importantly, education curriculum. Right. So those are issues that bring uh, that bring parents. Yes, out. those are. Yes. Issues that, bring, you know, those are things that everyday people are interested yes. in. You know, whereas and it, and it worked in Virginia, right? I mean, I I think yeah. Glenn, Glenn Youngkin understood that in Virginia. And you know where else I think we have to admit it? Where not that this is a big concession. You know where else I think we need to point out where it worked in a big way? Florida. I mean, Ron DeSantis rode that wo- anti woke wave a yeah. lot. Oh, he's fantastic, and look at the way he presents himself. Yeah, you know, he 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 stands for all the same issues we do. Yep. he does it. He does it in a way. Um, that can't be attacked, can't be mocked, and in a common sense way, using logic and, and reason. And, you know, the, the, the biggest problem I see nationwide is we don't have great Republican leadership. There you go. That's there. what I mean when I say better candidates, too. Yeah, leadership yeah. and yeah. candidates. Leadership and yeah. candidates, yeah. They need, to, they need to let all the Republicans know this, these are the issues, and the, this is where we stand. That's what the Democrats do great. They're all on message. We are not. Oh, they are so on message. I mean, it is amazing when you f- I mean, look how on message they were with the saying the same thing about the Elon Musk, uh, Matt Taibbi uh, reveals over over the weekend. They were all saying the same thing. Look how much they say the same thing when you tune on from CNN to MSNBC. Nancy Pelosi saying the exact same thing. Hakeem Jeffries is saying on another network, which is the exact same thing. Hillary Clinton is saying on CBS. Yeah, I they, they don't have a, a cat herding problem. And we do. Yeah. But we yeah, also and, yeah, and, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. And we have, and we have Mitch McConnell. I mean, well, that's the other thing. Even those that are maybe perhaps, you know, trying to give us the message, they aren't the kind of people that you really want to storm a hill for. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, when you watch, I, I live here in Phoenix. And when you watch this last election, you know, I know many people that have said to me, you know, what's the point in in voting if I don't even have 100 percent confidence that I'm voting in an election that I can really stand behind, um, you know, so we've got a lot, we've got a lot of issues. We've got voter integrity. We've got messaging. We've got leadership. Um, you know, we need somebody in charge uh, that we can count on. 
What will it take for us to realize all of the above, Pat? I mean, I, I just it, it just it seems so obvious to me what you're saying and what I'm thinking, too, or trying to say, uh, maybe not as well as you are. I, it just is so obvious to me that I, I, I do not understand the disconnect uh, from those that, you know, theoretically want to win. Uh, and sit in Washington and 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 or in, you know, uh, various state Republican Party headquarters of their state leadership and and just refuse to recruit great candidates. I know they exist. Yeah. I mean, you and I know yeah. tons of people who would be great candidates that just for sure. know, they're never just, touched. They're you know, never it, thought of. And they probably don't think of running themselves. They should be. And you know what is even more frustrating is when you look back and you say, you know, or, or you always look forward and say, "I wish we could control all all three branches yeah. or, or of government, yeah. or, or you know, presidency and the yeah. two executives." But we had that yep. with Trump. Yep. We, had, no. we had the Senate, no. but we didn't act. Yeah. I mean, we had the opportunity and we didn't act. So very discouraging, but. Um, we're on the same page. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. It's worth ventilating on and worth uh, cogitating on. Thank you, Pat, very much. Very much. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I can't get this out of my head. Uh, the story, incoming House Democratic whip Catherine Clark of Massachusetts means she's the uh, uh, number two in the Democrats of the House of Representatives coming in in January. She said um, she recalled one of her children waking up with nightmares due to concerns about climate change. Clark made the comment when asked by NBC News anchor Chuck Todd what she and incoming House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries intended to do differently than their predecessors uh, Pelosi and Hoyer. The 59-year-old Clark argued that her generation could bring a fresh perspective to Congress because her kids grew up being tormented by the threats of climate change. One of the biggest changes, she said, quote, one of the biggest changes is going to be that we're coming into this in the minority, but the commitment that we have had to the people of this country, to workers, to women, to the climate is going to continue on. And let me tell you what it means to me coming in as a different generation. I remember my middle child waking up with nightmares over concern around climate change. I had my family at a movie theater. When the movie stopped, my children immediately felt there must be a shooter in the theater with us. You know, there is only really one way this happens with children. It's because adults fed them this. Children don't come up with the problems of climate change as being nightmarish, end-of-the-world Thunderdome without adults giving that thought to them or nurturing it or encouraging it. Blue Shield of California did a nationwide survey five months ago. 75% of Gen Z youth have experienced a mental health-related issue such as anxiety, stress, and or feelings of being overwhelmed as a result of reading, seeing, or hearing news about climate change. 75% have had anxiety, stress, and or feelings of being overwhelmed as a result of hearing news, seeing or reading news about climate change. 
We're catastrophizing our children all over again. You can create this loop. You can create mental health problems in this country. Here's a headline I hate from the Washington Post today. The crisis of student mental health is much vaster than we realize. Why don't you look at what the progressives did to kids over the last three years and ask me if this is all one big mystery of how do we get here? Brandon Weikert coming up. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 